contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand. Special edition this week. I really want to get into the whole Andrew Luck thing that as someone I relate with, and I'll tell you why, and you know, as someone who walked away from the NFL after a certain amount of time myself and never looked back, I just think uh, there's a lot I can hopefully impart and try to enlighten about Andrew Luck as we get into it on this last week of August. Actually, my first week of teaching, so in addition to my writing and talking on radio and podcasts and TV. Now I'm going to talk to students, try to educate our young minds. Uh, law school starts at Villanova this week, so that's where I am. The Business of Sports podcast, as you know, presented by BetOnline.ag. They're your online sportsbook experts, the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet. Use the promo code PODCAST1. You get that 50% sign-up bonus, BetOnline.ag. Before I get to Andrew Luck and talking all about that deep dive into him. First, a word about the business of the NFL in the toughest week of the year, which it is right now. I lived this for so many years as an agent first, and then, of course, team executive, where the teams are cut. On Labor Day weekend, it's so ironic that the NFL labor force is reduced by about 30% on Labor Day weekend when we're supposedly celebrating labor. It's so tough, and I say this every year, but this is really stark, and you need to let this sink in. There are, I don't know, 10 to 25 players on every roster of the NFL that came in sometime in the spring, started off-season workouts in April, went to every workout, went to every practice, went to every OT unless they were hurt, went to every training session, went to every meeting, went to every lift session, went to every meeting with whoever the team brought in, and played in preseason games, practiced, did exactly what the coaches asked them to do. And from the point they entered the team until this weekend, they had no chance in God's green earth of making that roster. And this is the inconvenient hard truth of the NFL. You need 90 players. I mean, they allow you to have 90 players, and of course every team's going to do that. Every coach wants more players. Every scout wants to bring in and look at more players. But the vast majority of undrafted and guys signed off the street, which can be, again, 10 to 25 a team, now we even go to the low-round picks, they have no shot. And what happens is we get into training camp and really say there's 53 spots from plus the practice squad. You know, about 50 of those 53 are kind of locked up. And when you get down to it, you're really arguing about numbers rather than players. In other words, when you have those final meetings cutting the team, you're arguing about whether to keep a fifth safety or a ninth offensive lineman, whether to keep a sixth receiver or a fourth running back, whether to keep a fourth tight end or tenth defensive lineman. I mean, these are the kind of questions you go through, and it's not so much about talent at that point. And then the waiver wire, and then you think you made the team, but you really haven't made the team because they bring in someone they liked better from advanced scouting on other teams. It is just a hard time. Now, people will say, and they've tweeted at me, well, these guys have a -a once-in-a-lifetime. They can tell their grandchildren they were in NFL camps. They met this player. They did this. They they busted their butts. But again, it's a cut-and-dry business. And I'm not saying don't get into it if you're a football player, but get into it with eyes wide open. And sometimes agents and teams and recruiting And I blame teams as well. They sell a bill of goods just trying to get a player, and they're concerned about their own self-interest and not so much the player 
but I've been there. And it's so hard because you're bringing all these guys up and you're saying goodbye. But I will tell you this. I learned more about these guys in their send-off exit than I did during their time there. Some were bitter. And usually they focus on the guy you kept above them. You know, again, that's the nature of failure often. And I've been there. We focus on someone else instead of your own performance. And you focus on, oh, I'm better than that guy. That guy, yeah, that guy's just bad. And you hear that so much. But the other part of it is you see the professionalism, the impression that some people leave, which is spectacular. And I've seen it. Now, these are guys you ne- never heard of. I mean, I remember, uh, I remember a safety we had that we cut that ended up in Washington, played a while there, named Todd Franz, F-R-A-N-Z. And gosh, I mean, he made me feel better about cutting him. Uh, just some guys, that they come in, they go, I get it. I understand. You have a job to do. And then they usually, you know, the ones that impress you the most come up and say, I really appreciate the opportunity. Shake you, your hand, look you in the eye, like, wow, you know, wow, that will leave an impression. And to me, more than whatever they did on the field, how they handle the exit, because it's a bitter time, it's separation, it's being told you're not good enough. And when you can handle yourself like that in face of that, that's impressive. You know, and some guys try to hide from the from the Turk, the guy calling the names to come in and turn your playbook. But, you know, it's extremely hard. And what happens is coaches are now on to the game planning. This is Friday, Saturday this week for the next week, especially in Green Bay and Chicago where they're preparing for games thir- a game Thursday night. And it's just the coaches will come out of their meeting, shake your hand, good luck, that's it. So after what could be six, I don't know, April's four months now, it's after four or five months of intense time to try to make the team, as I said, every practice, every game, taking these reps so the stars don't have to. I mean, this is what happens. And it's unfortunate, but it's the reality. Is there a better way? Well, you could have lower raster sizes during camp. Nobody wants that. You could have more time in the offseason to really evaluate these guys better, I guess. No one wants that from the player's side. You could allow more players on the roster. That may happen, especially if we go 17 or 18 games, go from 53 to 56 or 60, who knows. Uh, Two-way players, practice squad and back. So this is a way that things could happen. But listen, it's the coldest weekend of the business of sports, in business of football, certainly. I can't speak for all sports. You're telling 10, 20, 30 guys, 40 in some cases, they can't be with you. And they busted their butt and they've done everything they can. And then they see players like Antonio Brown, you know, guys that are just high maintenance, but they have talent, you know. They see players get away with things they could never get away with. Again, it's not equal. It's a democracy, but they're not treated equal. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, I believe, said that to the Cowboys about the Cowboys. So this is where we are. It's a tough weekend in the NFL. I'm glad. Oh, God, am I glad I'm not there because, you know, it was the la- also, the, as everyone is listening now, they know it's the last weekend before kind of work kicks in, school kicks in, all those things. And I had a cottage up north of Green Bay, and that was the last time I really could get up there. So all I wanted to do was get away and not have to sit around and cut guys. But, you know, I had to be around, which, God, I don't miss that at all. And, of course, from the agent point of view, you don't miss it. I remember having a Hasselback with the Packers. We celebrated. He made the team after final cuts. 
And then guess who got cut in Chicago? A guy named Rick Meyer, who always had the eye of coach Mike Holmgren. Meyer's in, Matt's out, practice squad. So these things happen. You can never be safe. Things are going to happen so fast and furious. So here we are uh, approaching Labor Day weekend where the NFL labor force will be cut by 30%. Now, before I get to the Andrew Luck rant, let's get a word about The Athletic. The Athletic is really something now. It's taking over some of the online reading it's subscription-based, as you know, but it's smarter sports coverage. No ads, no pop-ups, no autoplays. The coverage goes beyond the game. Smart analysis, deep perspective. Subscribers will have full access to not only the local, but all the national stuff as well. Some of the names include Seth Davis on college basketball, Pierre Lebrun, of course, on hockey, Dave Aldridge, NBA, Bruce Feldman, college football, Ken Rosenthal and Jason Stark on baseball. So if you want to get in on the action... Go to theathletic.com slash business of sports because my listeners will get a 40% off yearly subscription. Comes out to a value of $2.99 a month. Theathletic.com slash business of sports. That code will be good for 40% off, giving you a $2.99 a month value for a yearly subscription. Okay, let's talk about Andrew Luck. Uh, the world was a Twitter, and that's a pun intended. On Saturday night, when news came out that Andrew Luck had retired, uh, and or was going to, and then of course later he did that same evening, it was a shock to the system. Certainly, you have Andrew Luck retiring; that is a massive story. And, you know, I like everyone had to look at Adam Schefter and make sure it was one of not one of those fake tweets, and it wasn't, and it was true. Uh, you know, my immediate reaction was like everyone else. Wow, I can't believe it. He's only in the league seven years. He's still young. How bad is the injury? What's going on with this injury? And then, of course, reading all the blowback on Twitter. One of the worst things about Twitter is sort of these interpersonal sniping within your timeline. I didn't need that. I mean, again, everyone's kind of waiting to pounce, whether it was Doug Gopley or someone else. I disagreed with those guys, too, but I'm not going to. Why ruin, and ruin's too strong a word, but why mar a big moment in sports with all the sniping. I mean, let's just talk about the moment and the magnitude of it. And as you know, it'd be one of those, where were you when moments in uh, thinking about sports stories. And then of course he goes off the field and booing. I don't give too much on the booing because some knuckleheads probably drunk. I didn't hear a ton of booing. Just, you know, your, your few yard birds that are always around at these end of games, the ones that get in fights and parking lots and alcohols involved, etc. But I just didn't like the personal sniping. But anyway, here's the story. So it took me a while. I was actually in New York. I'd gone to a funeral in Boston for a colleague, Don Banks, SI colleague. Beautiful service overlooking Fenway Park, in Fenway Park, overlooking the field. Great remembrances from Peter King and others. And of a good, you know, Don Banks was just, we lost a really good one there. Um and then I went to New York, saw my son, had dinner, and then I was home. I was planes, trains, and automobiles. So on the train home, I saw the news and what news it was. You know, but you start thinking about it and processing it, and here's some thoughts on Andrew Luck. Number one, you know, I don't know where to start. I'll start here. My name is Andrew. I went to Stanford, and I'm a bit of an odd duck. <laughs> and so is he. You know, those things are all the same. And why I say I'm an odd duck is, you know, I never have, hopefully, 
and never will let sports, what I do, define me. And, uh, you know, I think that was a big part of me leaving the Packers. Now, it, got, it was mutual. You know, they wanted to understand me a little better and knew that my heart wasn't in it and said that I had a nice run. It was time. I agreed. So I walked away, and I've never looked back on being in the NFL. Life is a, a lot fuller in my mind. Now, again, everyone's personal. Life is fuller without the NFL being a dominant part of your life. It's part of my life absolutely now. I talk about it all the time. But it's mostly on my terms. It's my terms. What I write, what I talk, when I say I'm liberated in terms of what I say. Uh, You know, I'm not with a team anymore. So my terms. Andrew Luck, you know, I was at Stanford. Uh, First of all, this is a guy who was going to be the number one pick in 2011 draft. Number one pick. And he stayed. I don't think we made a big, as big a deal as that as we would now, as we would any time. He chose to stay at Palo Alto and Stanford rather than go to the NFL, which would have been Charlotte and the Carolina Panthers. That's what he chose. He reminded me of my former client, Ricky Williams, who had filled out the paperwork. He was all set to come out in the draft in 1998. And he decides, yeah, last minute, I was ready to turn in the paperwork. He said, nah, I'm going to stay. And I said, you're going to stay? And I saw a million-dollar fee drop to the ground. And I'm like, what? He said, yeah, because here's the deal. Next year, I got to go. But this year, I'm going to be drafted by St. Louis or Chicago. And that was, of course, you know, who's going to take a running back first top five picks. And he's like, nah, you know, I want to go there. I can stay in Austin, University of Texas. Why would I leave Austin? to go to one of those places if I don't have to. And, of course, I talked about the financial and the risk of injury and all those things. And he said, yeah, 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 we'll get an insurance policy. So he stayed, and people thought he was crazy. Or maybe people didn't know about it like I did. This guy stayed. No one thought he was crazy. But it didn't get a a big mention then because I don't know why. So he stays... And you know what can happen injury-wise, but he was, of course, the number one pick the next year. Now, one tentacle of this is that he stayed, turned down the number one pick. I spoke at Stanford on Alumni Homecoming Weekend that year, 11, 2011. And you know what? It was so crazy because I'm at the student union. I never forget this. I look over in the corner. There's a kid slumped over his computer eating whatever. I think he was eating pizza, actually. And books and calculators and papers were a strewn, a strew, is that the word? Strewn all over the desk, the table, the, the dining table. And I moved closer. I didn't want to interrupt, but I moved closer to see who that was. Because I thought it was who it was. Andrew Luck. Okay. This was the presumptive number one pick in the next draft. The presumptive number one pick in the last draft and potential Heisman Trophy winner, and was playing the homecoming game, I believe, against UCLA the next day. Oh, my God. That's Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck never used a smartphone. Think about that in this day and age. Whatever it was, flip phone, whatever. Andrew Luck didn't use a traditional agent. Never used CAA or Rosenhaus or Jill Siegel or Octagon, or any of the big, big name agents. Now, his uncle was his agent. Now, his uncle has since joined a big firm, Wasserman, but not 
before his uncle negotiated his rookie deal, number one overall pick, and the big extension a few years ago. His uncle. His uncle, his mother's brother. So, and Andrew Luck never appeared comfortable with the trappings of being a football player. I mean, people talk about him sort of saying good job when uh, when people sacked him. You know, some some quarterbacks have said that, but it was a little more with Andrew Luck. He just had a different mentality. And I know people at Stanford that know him, and this is all, this is the, the messages I've been getting these past few days. And I know quarterbacks that have worked with him, like my friend Hasselback, of course, who thought the world of him and how he would go over every minutia all the time. And he was work for a backup quarterback, because the backup quarterback's job is to support the starter. And that's work with Andrew Luck. You got to know that. Uh, listen, he's a different guy. And so what I'm saying is when you step back and look at it all, then you're in a feeling like, okay, it's certainly not expected news, but maybe it's not as striking, shocking, astonishing, eye-popping, mind-blowing news as everyone thinks it should be, or everyone thinks it is. This is Andrew Luck. He's different. Different is not bad. He's a nerd. Nerd is not bad. Okay, I've known this kid since he was a toddler. Oliver Luck, who's now commissioner of the XFL, and no, Andrew Luck's not going to the XFL, was a general man. Oliver was a general manager of the Frankfurt Galaxy when I was general manager of the Barcelona Dragons. This is back in 1991, too. Andrew Luck was, I don't know how old then. Was he 29 now? So he was just born. He was a baby. So, (laughs) you know... I remember as a baby. Uh, I've known him that long. Now, known him, I just had saw him as a baby way back in the day. And I know Oliver well. Oliver and I speak together. Oliver and I talk regularly, never about Andrew. Uh, rarely, just what's going on with him. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not shocked anymore by this news. Especially when he talks about the cycle of pain. And I know people talk about pain's a natural part of football. But it doesn't have to be. You can step off the train. And people talk about this fascinating early retirement. Early retirement, well, I think of early retirement like Chris Borland one year. This guy spent seven years, a lot of them in pain. Seven years is over twice the average NFL career. So I, you know, I guess early retirement, and we'll talk about the money in a second, but yeah, I mean, this Andrew Luck thing is big news because you're seeing something here you don't see. People that at potentially their top of the game, absent injury, walking away. But the absent injury is a big part of this. But my point is, I'm going to bring it back to me. Since I left the Packers, I have not made anywhere near that salary. Even cobbling together salaries from Villanova, salary from Sports Illustrated, salary from ESPN, salary from podcasts, salary from uh, now Vayner Associates. You know, getting closer. But my life is so much fuller. My life is so much fuller. The NFL is all-consuming, even though it's only 20 games a year. It's all-consuming. So I get it now. And Andrew Luck is going to 100%, 100% going to lead a fuller life. And I can say pretty certain he's going to be happy. And happier, right? Happier than he was as quarterback of the Colts, as one of the best players when healthy in the NFL.
I see it in him. I see a guy that's just thirsty, has a book club. He's going to travel. He's going to read. He's going to live a full life. He's going to have children with his new wife. Wow. Okay. I get it. He'll help out his father where he can with the XFL, maybe go to some camps, teach the quarterbacks, talk to him, whatever. But listen, I get it now. And this might be a different take on Andrew Luck. I don't know if it is or not, but I get it. This guy's different in a good way. This guy's a nerd in a good way. This guy will enjoy life. Okay, the team aspect of this. One part of it is I was involved with the, maybe the best transition from franchise quarterbacks that a fan base could ever ask for, or a front office, from Favre to Rodgers. Now, there were bumps along the way, as I've documented many times, and even taking Aaron was a disaster, getting getting booed by our fans, getting calls from both sides, three years of wondering on one side if if Aaron's ever going to play, on the other side if Brett has to live with his future replacement, it's no fun, all those kind of things. But we made it. And that transition happened. In another way, I'd say number two on that list has to be Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. Now that happened through fortune or misfortune, three neck surgeries to Peyton Manning, uh, in no small part due to that. The Colts end up with the worst record in football and the number one pick, and they have a grooved path to Andrew Luck, and Peyton Manning is not only not sort of shepherded like Brett Favre. He's cut. He's cut. And ends up on Denver, as we know. But, wow. So they grooved the path to Andrew Luck. And you had that transition, one of the biggest in sports history, if not number one or two, along with the Packers. So that ends. That ends. Now they go to Jacoby Brissett. We'll see how good he is. He's not Andrew Luck. Of course he's not Andrew Luck. So we can't put that in that. But... For whatever years of Peyton Manning, uh, I don't know, 20, and seven years of Andrew Luck, I know, injury marred, they had that transition. Packers are already up to, what, 16 of Favre and 12 of Rodgers, 13 of Rodgers. So, you know, that's we're into getting towards two generations right there. Again, so the Colts had that luck, pardon the pun, and now that luck has run out. Pardon the pun again. Okay, before we leave this rant about luck, there's so many areas that just I'm probably missing some, but we got to talk about the money, and we don't know the money. I'm efforting to find out about the money. Yes, the Colts could have gone after unamortized prorated bonus. What that means is luck got a huge bonus, of course, with this extension. It's for cap purposes, whatever it was. And they did a renegotiation, too. It's always prorate over future years. Luck had many future years left. In theory, according to football law, the Colts could have gone after that. In what has been reported, they will not. He will keep already earned, already paid, of course, his signing bonus and, and renegotiate bonus from his previous contracts. That's a massive win for Luck that the Colts don't go after that. Because then it will be a grievance like Barry Sanders, like Megatron, and they have to win the money back, and they have to get the money back, and that whole thing. The other part of it is there was a $12 million roster bonus for this year, supposedly half paid earlier, half paid to come. Now, again, we're not certain what the settlement is. We know that $6 million that's been paid, 
I don't think he's paying back. The question is, is he going to receive the next $6 million? That's what we'll find out. He's also got a $9 million salary this year. Now, you could say, well, of course he's not getting that. But, you know, again, he's hurt. But if he's on reserve injured, it'd really be hard for him to collect that. So the money that say that that is not owed to luck is a lot here. Uh, I'm sorry, that is not the Colts are not going to go after from luck. It's a lot of money. It's a win for luck. Now we can say, well, luck could have stayed on IR, but then he's only making the nine million that he's due this year and just sort of rehab this year, but. The nine million is less than the, what the Colts could recover, uh, which again I believe I'll have to get those numbers. But the Colts are deciding not to do that now. Are the Colts caught up in the heat of the moment and he he sacrificed his body so much and they feel great about him? And will they make that decision to pay off the six million? That's what we're efforting. On the other side of the money equation. We are, if we're assuming that whatever leg calf injury that Andrew Luck has, he would recover from, whether this year or in the off season, and get back to form, then the amount of money he's leaving on the table to go to retirement, and I don't think he'll be back. I, I say that with a lot of certainty. This guy, unlike other players we always speculate, this guy's not coming back. He potentially... And this is a number that I'm just throwing out there that I think is not unrealistic. He potentially is leaving behind half a billion dollars. These quarterback contracts are going to cl- close in on $200 million. Now, again, the guarantee is not going to be that. We'll see. But say he's got 10 more earning years left. Say he's got 12 more earning years left at 29. With the market going up, with the cap approaching $200 million, we're going to see $40 million quarterbacks, okay? If we're in the $40 million quarterback range by next year or the year after, and he's got 10 years of earning left, yeah, he could be approaching approaching the half a billion number the rest of his career. So he's walking away from that. So I think, the, I guess my point is there are two sides to the money argument here. Number one, the Colts are forfeiting a lot of money that they could have. As per the CBA, as per the rules, they can get back money from luck. A retiring player, unamortized bonus, goes back to them. They have to grieve for it, file a grievance, and, but they'd win. On the other hand, luck is walking away from future contracts. Well, certainly this year, they would pay him if he just said, I'm hurt. And then, of course, future contracts that could total, again, who knows where to be, but 300, 400. Close to $500 million? Wow. And I sort of return where I started. That's fine with Andrew Luck. <laughs> you know, again, this is a different cat. And again, I don't want to get into, well, he comes from an upper middle class family that has made a lot of wealth. To me, all that is superfluous. I don't get all those arguments. He is who he is. And I think he's, you know, he lives, as I've been told, a pretty frugal life with apartments that he buys and, and of course, not even a flip phone and no accoutrements in his life. So I don't get all that. You know, he lives a pretty, pretty uh, abstemious existence for a guy that's paid what he is. So, again, all this stuff, 
and and I'll, eventually I'll find out the financial settlement if there is one about luck and the Colts. But there's a lot of money around. The business of the NFL is really all over this one. One, you have the Colts not getting their money back, but the future earnings potential for Andrew Luck, who made 97 million, and who knows how much he's making this year of that 12 million roster. So he's over 100. But wow, what he's giving up in terms of generational wealth. But that's okay. That's who he is. He's different. And I'll leave it where I started. Andrew Luck is different. And I'm a little different too. And that's okay. Andrew Luck's a nerd. I'm a little nerdy too. And that's okay. In a good way. That's my appreciation for Andrew Luck. Okay. Let's hear from our sponsor, Bet Online. There's only one place that has you covered. It's the place we trust, part of the Podcast One Sports Network, as you know, betonline.ag. College football's back, all the big games this weekend, including Oregon, Auburn. Of course, my alma mater we just talked about, Stanford, Northwestern. You got Houston, Oklahoma. You've got the headlines in baseball. You got preseason football this week. Kansas City, Green Bay, even though these starters aren't going to play. That's a good one. Raiders, Seattle, Pittsburgh, Carolina. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code PODCAST1. Get the 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Really hope you enjoy that Andrew Luck-centric edition of the Brands Rants Business of Sports. Enjoyed making it for you. Hope you enjoy my insights and perspective. And that'll do it for this week's edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks to producer extraordinaire Brian Neal. And really appreciate anyone who makes comments or rankings on Apple Podcasts, wherever you hear your podcast. Truly appreciate that. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt. And then I'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.